hello everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm your host, Jeremy Hanks, the man with a million musical opinions that all happen to be right. This week we have Car Aster, formerly known as C. She has just released her third record called You Say You Love Me But I Don't Believe You. And kick off with one of her songs called Closed Eyes Open from previous work. This is all right into the podcast interview. Everybody, it's been sticky hands. Say hello. Hey guys, thanks for having me today. Oh, thank you. It's uh, this is round two for us. I spoke to you a year and a half ago, uh, right after you'd released some other music, and I loved that. I published that with Instinct, and this time around, we're going on the podcast uh, talking about your new stuff. Um, anything new and exciting you want to say that's happened in the last year and a half? Um. Yeah, I mean, I've had so many things happen and so many things change, but mostly uh, tonight, I guess at midnight, my new album comes out. So that's a huge thing that I'm, I've never had kind of like a full-length project come out before. So it's an exciting moment for me and it's something I really believe in. So this, that's the best news. <laughs> this is the album you say you love me, but I don't believe you, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, because I've been listening to it for about three weeks now, so... Um... Oh my god! <laughs> oh hey, no, I, I love my job. I love my job, really. I, it's it's great. Um, so it's very different from your other work. That uh, obviously, I mean, I've been listening to that for 
you know, the last couple of years, but then um, uh, the the new stuff that just came out, I was rather surprised. It's, uh, I guess, a new kind of storytelling, right? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because to everyone on the outside, this seems like a total 180, and in a way it is because I've never released music like this, but the type of music that even got me signed to my label and like that I've been writing behind the scenes for years was exactly like this album. So it's kind of like been this part of me that I was reluctant to show for some reason. I think I kind of was in like a weird management situation where they were pushing me to do like super pop stuff, which I love. Like I love the old music and it totally has its place. But I think I was just going through something um, like a year ago, and like this side really came out, and like I felt like I had to record it. So definitely different stuff. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's uh, it's very dark, um, and it's not as uh, like well your your other stuff. It's a, a little more like produced. I, I wouldn't say poppy, but it's a little more produced. But it's also a lot more, um, I guess, mainstream in thought. You know, the your, your girlfriend and poisons and. You know, those where it's still right in your face, I which I, I loved, but this is a very different, even not just vibe, but the subject matter itself and how you're delivering it. Um, again, a lot of this stuff, uh, like on Unspoken, for instance, um, I'm going to play that mm-hmm. one on the show, by the way, so we'll, uh, we'll play that here. Look at me 
Uh, let's see. So you had layered vocals on that one, and it was really good. It, but it was it was um, it was just as hypnotic as Closed Eyes Open. And of yeah, course, that, that one is it's just that one's still my favorite song by you, by the song of yours, by the way. But yes, uh, yeah, it's honestly one of my favorites too. It never seems to like lose its spot for some reason. So, but then this one, you have like I mean, unspoken. You have these layered vocals like that, and I'm closing my eyes just like with eyes. I'm eyes closed eyes. I'm listening to it. and I'm trying to visualize where you're taking me on that one. And I, I can just see, like, five versions of you doing it, you know, uh, different things. Can you talk about that one, what what brought that one about, and how you ended up putting it out that way? Um, that, interestingly, that song was, like, the first song that I wrote out of this record, and I feel like it really set the stage in a way. Um, I don't know. I Like I said, I've been writing kind of these, like, kind of country folk songs for a while mm-hmm. and none of them were as good as that one and then I was like going through like just like a super emotional time I think I was pretty depressed and this situation that I was in was really affecting me and I remember I was on the way home um, from the city on a train and I was just like kind of writing the song in my head and that's where like all of those lyrics come from I was just like had kind of spent this day in the city with this person and um, was like reliving that moment but the vocals and stuff I mean I really recorded that first on my phone like a, like a little iPhone recording Sure, yeah. and I remember I had like a brief talk with the guy who I was working on with production at the time I showed him that song and that's the guy who I made girlfriend with and stuff which is so different okay. and he was like okay like let's try to add drums like let's do all this and like I remember I was like, no, like it needs to exist like in this space because I think it just felt so much more honest. So mm-hmm. I think once I had decided that, I was like, why don't I just continue along and make an album that feels really raw and really stripped down? Because that seems to be where like my heart was. Well, so then let, let's go into the songwriting and the subject matter for just a moment. Um, last time we spoke, I jokingly said, are you spoken for or are you eligible? You said you were eligible. Um, did you have a gap in that in the, between then and now? And that's what this is about? Cause it sounds like you just went through a really bad breakup. I mean, guts <laughs> out. I'm like, geez, so maybe she, she met the girl of her dreams and turned out to really get beat up over it. Um, yeah. If I can point out, last <laughs> goodbye, right? You say it's just before your birthday, yeah. and then you said what your birthday was on there, right? If I'm correct. Um, and so, actually, let me digress for a moment. On the previous interview, when I was mm-hmm. talking, when, when you said that Ellen DeGeneres was a role model, and I was talking about her show that wasn't funny, I realized yeah. I was talking about her really shitty sitcom that got canceled before you were even born. And I was oh, like, that's oh, so she doesn't know what the hell, she probably didn't know what the hell I was talking about, but she had a sitcom back like just a few years before you were born that was really not funny, and it got canceled because it wasn't funny, but she came out on TV on that sitcom. And Yeah, that's I have one, read about all of that. Right, but the, the, the show was so lame, right? <laughs> just because it wasn't funny. But that's what I was talking about, and you're probably thinking, what the heck is he talking about? But I realized... I'm. I was referring to something there, you know, at least two years before you were born. So, 
back to this. <laughs> That's so funny. You say last goodbye just before your birthday. Uh, I guess we're 23 now, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of anxiety in there, but I guess how did all of that go? It sounded like that was you're just throwing another one out there about this heartbreak. Uh, talk about that for a minute, if you could. I, I guess I'm yeah, saying, tell so, me the subject matter of this whole album, because that's pretty much the, the, the theme through it all. It is, yeah. Well, Last Goodbye, interestingly, is kind of like the precursor, I guess, to all the other songs. And that was me coming out of a very toxic relationship I was in since I was 17. And that was me like kind of writing about that. But I kind of broke up with that person in a way for the person that the whole album's about, you know? So like I, at the time when we probably talked, I think was girlfriend out at that time, mm-hmm. I would imagine. So girlfriend's also about the same person that this album's about. So for the past couple of years, I've been like circling this, um, relationship and it was like with my best friend and we kind of fell in love and then she was with um, a long-term partner and so we like were best friends and had all these like kind of secret feelings for each other and it was like a very like kind of rocky experience because we both were like kind of in denial at certain points and then I think when I started writing this album, I was like, okay, this is real. Like, these feelings are totally not going away. Like, I was so in love. And um, we're together now, and everything actually worked out so well. But, <laughs> yeah, I know. After I wrote this whole thing. You put so much into this one, even on your previous work. Because you told me all about that with how it was this, you wanted to be with a person, but you couldn't. And that was previous work, and now you're now we're, we're in the phase of, or at least the songs are in the phase of, I was with her and broke my heart, and now you're together and it worked out. What are you going to write? I mean, are you going to have any good subject matter for the future? Because um, I don't. Because it's, it's boring now. A songwriter you're, 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 yeah. you're, you're together. You're happy. I mean, give us. You know. <laughs> um, I know. I always wonder. I'm like, shoot. Have I like exhausted my? songwriting now that I'm so happy but I think like Casey Musgraves just put out her best record a couple years ago that had all the praise like Golden Hour and that was all very happy so you never know like I think people can like write really good songs even when they're not completely devastated but I think a lot of people love that so who knows so maybe your new work will be around not being a tortured artist and depressed so okay yeah i think i'm ready to like not like be so depressing like i listen to this album now and i think in the right headspace i really like it but it's also like emotionally taxing for me to listen to because i've moved on from a lot of those feelings and i'm in like a much happier situation so i'm really excited to like the next body of work be less sad but i'm happy that everyone gets to hear this Okay. It definitely was a big part of everything. Okay, well, I'll, I'll throw in there that she she did have one called "My Body Loves Trouble" that was uh, actually a funny kind of one. That uh, hey, tell the backstory for that one again for the new audience here. So, "My Body Loves Trouble" was written so long ago, like I can't, probably like four years ago at this point, and I had that like kind of like demo or so. I put it out last year just because I was like in a space where I wasn't really releasing music and I was like, well, let me just like 
throw this out there for everyone to listen to. I mean, that story, in a way, was kind of like, I didn't even know where it came from. I I wrote it, and I was in another, like, relationship at the time and wasn't having, like, these feelings for anyone else. But it's funny because I feel like it ended up relating well, later I, on you, in my life. In the last interview, you said it was about you were out with some friends and you kept spilling water all over yourself. And yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> that was how the, the lyric came about. But the whole subject matter, like, was relatively random after that. But, yeah, exactly. I spilled a bunch of water and said that line. <laughs> So, um, funny. I, I don't know, did, did they give it to you? I sent over a list of music, this is this is the stuff that Carr has to listen to. Did they get that to you or not? Unfortunately not. Jeez, ah. <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just drop it over, okay, because I, I gave you, I sent over a list of some really great stuff that, that you would have loved, that sa- and also stuff that sounded like you and all that, man, bunch of slackers out there, I'm telling you. Um, ah, well, who was on it? Oh, let me pull up the list here. Give me just a second. Um, oh, geez, you're making me dig this up. Okay, because there was a whole... Oh, no, no, don't even worry. Well, no, there was a whole playlist that I put together and sent over. I was like, man, she's got to give this one to listen to. Um, where is it? It's probably down here at the bottom. There we go. I had sent over, there was some stuff like... Um, a band called The Other Ones. There was some Luna Blake, some Julie Cruz, Snow Patrol, and Tuva Stierka. And uh, those, you, you said you hadn't heard Ooh. any of them. And I was like, oh, man, she's got to get into these guys, you know. So. Um, yeah, no, thank you. I'll have to, if you send it again, I'll revisit it. Okay. I'll, um, I'll, uh, all right. So um, uh, you would just, I, I said you, were, you had a lot of this your your earlier work sounded a lot like the other ones that nobody heard of in the states and they were fantastic they were like this german you know whatever again they were around long 10 years before you were born um and luna blake julie cruz is she was the one who did all the music for uh, twin peaks that you had a lot of and then there was snow patrol snow patrol i couldn't believe you never heard those guys and then uh then yutuva she's this fabulous little swedish pop star that um, you also, on your up notes, f- sounded and felt a lot like her. So, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll send that over. So I, I no, but you remember Me the last too. time we talked? I was like, oh, but there's all this stuff, and you're like, I've never heard of it, and I'm like, that's because I'm 20 years <laughs> older than you. Um, so, <laughs> uh, talk about hush. Bring that one on. Explain a little bit about that if you could. So that song. Um, Probably the instrumental started like two and a half, three years ago. And um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of all about this same situation of kind of these secret feelings and everything. Um, so but it was about instrumentally, quiet, I think that one. This was about like hush, stay quiet. Yeah, okay. it was like, yeah, exactly. Like, we got to like keep this like kind of a secret or like we know that it's kind of a secret thing and no one else does. And, um, yeah, that's how those lyrics came about. But instrumentally, I think it's really cool because it has that, like, bass line that's kind of like the lead in the chorus. So I really, like, it's kind of like a fun, quirky track. And then the video, I really like, too, because I think I had, like, an $1,000 budget. It was so small. Me and one of my good friends, like, were able to kind of make it into I, I, this. Probably my favorite video. I don't know that I've seen that one. I don't know that I've seen it. Um, 
you you do make yeah, trippy not, videos. Yeah, not that you have to, but you, you do, yeah, you, this you, one I think you'll like. Oh sure, well I I like them all. They just they're all just you know just weird um, artistic. You know, there was the ghost and all of that. I was like, man, there's some wonderful stuff there. You're you're really good in, in delivering your visuals. I like that. Um, Thank it's, you. It's just, yeah, it's important to me. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna throw some links up there as well on the podcast. Um, uh, let's see. So, without you, just call, just work with me here, okay? I was listening uh-huh. to it, and again, you're you're one of those people that I just have to close my eyes when I listen to, and I just go where you want to take me. Um, uh-huh. And without you, had such a Beatles vibe to it, like a little bit of the White Album and Sergeant Pepper's in there. I was like, whoa, like like when they kind of went psychedelic and kind of had other aspects in there. I was like, this would be like her version of those songs. Kind of. Really. Yeah, it, the harmonies in there totally sounds like the Beatles. I always thought the same exact thing, and I was okay. like, I love it. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, so. Don't, okay, I'm I'm not the weirdo on that one because it was really fantastic to listen to. I was like, that just, uh, I, I'm like, I'm not out there thinking this. It had such a strong Beatles influence in there. Um, any particular songs, or was it just, uh, hey, I'm enjoying this vibe and gonna go with it. Um, I mean, that song came about, like, I was just, I don't know, I was in a studio session and someone brought their Omnicord and that song was kind of stuck in my head and I just played it. <laughs> it wasn't, like, anything super calculated, so it just kind of came out. Oh, well, all right then. Um, yeah. So... But yeah, I mean the original version. You know, that's a it's a cover, right? No, I did not know that. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's um a cover of. No, I just a had Harry the album. No there, I didn't song. have any. I didn't have any notes on it. They just gave me the album, and I've been listening to it for three weeks. I didn't know it was a cover. Oh my god! Sorry, I, I was talking about this, like assuming. So, um, in the seventies, Harry Nilsson covered it, and it's originally, uh, it's originally by Badfinger, I think. The okay. song, and then Harry Nilsson had a really famous version, and then Mariah Carey did it again in the '90s. And so I heard Harry's version, the '70s one, in a diner one day, and I was like, "This is the best song." I thought it was a Beatles song. I I assumed it was like a cover of one, and it was just so good. And so when I was in the studio that day, that song was just like running in my head because I just thought it was so beautiful. So that's like the only cover I've ever recorded. But yeah, it's a cover of that song. I, I so. guess I'm gonna have to go and uh, look that one up as soon as we're done. So you're you're pulling at Badfinger covers, but you never heard of Snow Patrol. Um, okay. No, no, so I know that one Snow Patrol song. <laughs> that one, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, so, oh no, that that is funny. Uh, no, really. So going back to I and I, I want to go back to your to your body of work really because I, I it, there's not just one song or phase that really kind of defines it but your stuff you know formerly known as C when, when you were C and all of that it even we talked before the video for she cries um, the song is really mm-hmm. powerful but the video is enough to really it sucker punches you and i had pointed that out before and um can we revisit that you said that you didn't you you remembered it but what what do you can you 
talk about that video for a minute and what it meant because I believe that the message of that is very powerful and everybody here listening I hope uh, goes and gives this one a, a look-see on YouTube so talk about that again yeah so that song was about um, I was in a relationship from like 17 to like 22 and the person was had a lot of was struggling a lot with mental health and at the time was like extremely depressed and um, like really like not stable. And so that song was like about that whole situation and like how it affected me and also how I was watching her like kind of drown in this depression. And when I was coming up with like a concept for that song, it's fun. I actually just shoot that video and shoot the potions video back to back within two days. It was such a crazy two days. Um, but that video, I was trying to like visually represent, I guess, addiction in some way. And I felt, or like depression and like that whole cycle of like how it's so hard for the person and then also hard for the person that they're with. So we had the two dancers and one of them was an addict and it was kind of just like, I don't know, a way of maybe showing how that felt, but in a way that people could understand visually, because obviously mental health is so internal. Um, so yeah, that, that's really where that video came from and the song. Yeah, it was so powerful. And uh, everybody listening, please go give that one uh, a look Thank you. as well. Because, um, well, again, you've got such a powerful but soothing voice too. And so I, I'm glad. Okay, so when the album comes out, it'll uh, by the time this this goes on air, everybody. Well, the album will have been out for a couple of days, so I hope that uh, I hope that uh, people start going. I mean, because it, it is very good, and I I love that. Just, but I love it all. I'm one of those greedy bastards who, if I like one person, I probably want everything by them. Um. <laughs> so, but. Uh, yeah, this is kind of off uh, just for an interview because when we talked last time, it was it was for instinct, but you had you had said something very amazing there, and uh, I I echoed that everywhere, and, and I don't I don't know if you remember what I said about that in the printed version, but I had said that it was my hope that every parent in the world sees what you had said about oh. about the fact that you knew you were gay when you were sixteen. And that you weren't ashamed of it, you weren't afraid of it, and you were just, okay, this is it, this is me. And you told your family and, and went on with life, and there was no fear in it, and there was nothing that your family would do or say. And, and I felt that was so powerful just because of everything else that, you know, I've been seeing around in the last several years. And that was something I read on when you said that I was like, oh, man, you know, and I, I, I thought it was uh -huh. just... I thought that was amazing. And I was so happy that, you know, you were like there and you were lucky to have a family like that. And I know I'm so blessed to like have that type of support and like know that it wouldn't have really affected my relationship with anyone. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, like I, I feel, I just feel so lucky really to have had that type of support. So, but I'm really happy that that, um, 
resonated with you. Well, actually, since we we spoke, I had uh, I I've acted in a movie that was about that, <laughs> about a a teenage girl who came out when she was sixteen and how her family and everybody wouldn't accept her. So, um, oh, I, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah what so, what movie was it? It was called. Um, crap oh yeah city of salt <laughs> sorry i should know it i was in it um it's, <laughs> um it's up on amazon if you want to it's called city of salt and i play the obnoxious bald cop who goes around pissing everybody off um it was a stretch no way I, I, was, I was yeah it was a stretch it was a lot of work for me to do that but i i did the i did the role pretty well so um Oh my gosh! I'm gonna have to watch it. City of Salt, you said. Yeah. So. Okay. And, and, I can't believe you're a bald cop. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I'm I'm the obnoxious cop who says everything that would get any other cop fired. You know. Um, that's, yeah. But the thing is, is that I like the, the okay. Everybody who's hearing this, the the woman that I was acting off of it with, I've known her for 28 years, and I dated her mm-hmm. sister in high school, and we used to hate each other a lot. And so when we were there on screen, I mean, we really hated each other. So when they were on screen, now we're friends. But when we were there, and they were like, we were just at each other's throats, and we were improvising every line between the two of us. Oh, because you had all this practice. Oh, yeah, we did. And so people were, I mean, we yeah. were like, yeah, we, we were never on screen. We were just on with each other. And we would say, and she's like yelling at me, like, could you pretend for just half a second that you have people skills? <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was awesome. <laughs> So, but yeah, so anyway, oh my God. so no, rewinding, yeah, so I was thinking about you and your message over and over when we were making that film, and... Oh, so that's amazing. Yeah, and I actually, well, we, we picked, like, we had no budget, and we had all Utah musicians at the time, um... Otherwise, I'd have said, "Hey, let's let's go grab, uh, you know, let's see if we could get Carly's work in there." Because I I love, you know, I mean, I, I would have looked for something in your library there because it's really it, it would have been great. But at the time, our policy was uh, only Utah musicians because it was a local production for everything. So. Um, oh yeah, no, another time though. Next movie. Oh, next <laughs> Let movie. Me yeah, we'll we'll be on it with you. So. Um, Let's see. So, uh, any other songs you want me to play on this podcast right now that you were thinking of? Um, hmm, I think my favorite off of the new album is "She Knows." So, if you feel inclined, uh, um, yeah, actually, that was that was a single that they were pushing. They said this is the this is the one. So, I was going to I was going to do that. Um, talk about the single then. Yeah, so She Knows is the one that we're kind of pushing now that the album is out. And um, that one I wrote with one of my really good friends who I also wrote Girlfriend with and Hush, a couple of those songs. And I don't know, it's all about, I think when you're in these situations where someone's like totally like you're consumed by them. I remember thinking like morning through night, like all the time just like getting up and they were the first thing I thought about and then washing my makeup off which I say in the song and also thinking about them going to bed thinking about them and it's kind of just like all about that feeling and um yeah I, yeah, I really I, like I that was, song I was listening and, to that I just um and I, again so by the th- this is what how many hours we got till this comes out probably about 10 hours till this uh, song gets released so yeah um, about 10 <laughs> exactly 
So uh, I'm excited to be talking to you today, just right on the eve of this getting released. Um, so, but the title, it went it just fire off the title. Why did you write the album or pick that as a title? I guess. Yeah. Well, the title's long, yes, obviously, and it's very uh, kind of see, like it's very. <laughs> well, let's see. There was uh, Deacon Blue did uh, whatever you say, say nothing. Sinead O'Connor did one called She Who Dwells, which was like 44 words. Chumpawamba did one called The Boy Bands Have Won, and that was a three-page <laughs> name for a record. Uh, the Boy Bands Have Won. Well, oh, my God. Of, yeah, no, it was, it was great. Like, like the whole album cover was just a title. And uh, so this one really doesn't compete with that, but it still was a long title. But uh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's long for me. Um, definitely not three pages, though. Uh, yeah, basically, I think... The the title track is like maybe the fourth song. Mm-hmm. I love how I don't even know. Yeah, it, so the title track's the fourth song, or at least half of the title is. And that one, when I was recording these, I was right before I went to the studio. I remember looking through once again, like my phone. I always record like demos and stuff on my phone, and I have no recollection at all of writing that, but it was just there and I was like wow this is like a very it's dark it's definitely probably the darkest song on there uh-huh. but I think it felt really kind of powerful and that I felt like that phrase really just wrapped up everything that I was talking about because I think why the whole situation was so tough for me is because this person every day was like I love you so much and I care about you so much and they were like so sweet to me but like we still weren't together. So it was like just this really weird like contradiction. So, um, and I think all the songs, like the heaviness comes from that exact thing. So I I don't know. I just liked it. Yeah. So that's where I came from. Yeah. Or or you have trust issues. Um, so yeah, that too. (laughs) Yeah, that too. So, uh, in the interim from our last interview until now, you, you did put out a couple of, of pieces. Um, you did spaces that was pretty good and, Mm -hmm. uh, don't stop. Don't speak. Uh, give me some, give me some of those and what they were about. Uh, and if, if you want, I'll, I mean, I'll throw one of those in on here too. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, Faces is I love that song I don't know that that one's important to me and it's just about losing someone and what what that feels like very simple the lyrics are very simple but I mean definitely one of my favorite songs I've released and then Don't Stop Don't Speak is it's so different than the album I'm putting out now so it's yes, almost hysterical going, but everything's different from uh, the current album but go ahead yes yeah, um, I mean, that's just, like, a dancey, like, grungy song that um, is kind of about, like, tension with someone. And, yeah, it's, it's funny thinking about it in my head. If I was listening to this podcast and I heard that and then I heard She Knows, I'd be like, who is this artist? Um, so I might come across a little confusing, but, I mean, I guess that's who I am. So uh-huh. it's all good. Well, right, but, I mean, it, it wasn't as, I mean, it was the uppity, at least, you know, had a lot more movement in it, like Potions, but it wasn't as intense or as, you know, I mean, Potions was pretty, yeah. That yeah, really exactly. Um, so, but similar to that. Uh, but the, the song that I was like, okay, let me climb into her head, I mean, this is, okay, the album, 
obviously we have the same theme running through it all, but I'm scared for the day that I meet her. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that one about? I mean, really, your your I that one had enough of a different vibe to it. From it was kind of like a, yeah. a step out and you know a uh, message from our sponsor kind of thing while listening to the album. What was that one for? <laughs> I feel like I think of that song kind of like a letter in a way. Like it feels at the time when I wrote it, I was kind of convinced that I was never going to be able to be with um, the person who this album is about and I remember just being really literally scared because I was like if I get into another relationship I know these feelings for this other person are never going to go away like they're, they were so intense and so strong and I knew I was writing so many songs about this person and I'm scared for the day that I meet her it's kind of just me saying like I'm I'm scared for this future person that I'll be with because I don't know if they're going to be okay with this history that I have with this other person and how unresolved it is. Mm-hmm. And I think what's like interesting about that song is that there's kind of a perspective shift. And that's why I think lyrically it's my favorite song on the album because I start off the song writing a letter in a way to this, my best friend who the whole album's about. And then I switch it to like singing about the future girl who I thought I would be with and it's kind of I don't know I think I I was in this situation and I actually did get into another serious relationship in the middle of all of this and it was so hard to manage like being with the new person and having them know about this connection I had with my best friends and having to like stop I don't know it was, it's such it was such a crazy balance for me and that song was kind of all about that so yeah. But you're out of it now, I guess. You're. Uh... Well, I was out of, yeah. yeah. I, we're just, like, talking about my very drama-filled love life on here. But <laughs> yeah, no, that, I, uh, yeah, the, but the whole album was that. It was... Um, yeah, it feels like a soap opera, kind of, but basically, yeah. Well, I it was like Nine Inch crazy... Nails, Pretty Hate Machine, uh, without being as lousy, I guess, would be my... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I am a world-class non-nine-inch nails fan, so um, everyone's like, really, you don't like them? I'm like, you know what? I saw them once opening for the Jesus and Mary Chain, and it was so bad that they turned me off. But yeah, the whole song, the whole album, Pretty Hate Machine, which, again, came out before you were born, was just this, this whole, like, bad relationship. I... You know, and it just was the obsessive bad about somebody who had hurt him and pissed him off. And so uh, usually albums like that are, are you know, they're, they're too much for me anyway, if it's all about the one person, the one relationship and the subject. Uh, until mm-hmm. like, I don't know, you know who Lloyd Cole is. He did an album called Don't Get Weird on Me, Babe, which was exactly the same thing. But it was Lloyd Cole and it was kind of comedic, you know, but... It was the same thing. Yeah. uh, I met this girl, we fell in love, and then we spent the rest of our our time shooting each other's lives to hell, right? That was his record. And Mm -hmm. so usually albums like this are a bit too much, but uh, this one didn't seem to be as bitter, obviously, but it was still very intense and obviously, you know, very focused subject matter. 
but it sounds Yeah, good. I wouldn't call it bitter. It's just intense. I think it's an intense listen. For oh, yeah, sure. no, very intense, very strong, but it also indicates, um, I mean, it, it was a move to be mentally healthy, or at least, you know, healthy across uh, here and, and dump all your feelings and thoughts out there like that. And, again, thank you for giving us the music around it. Um, but <laughs> it, it was one of those that didn't really, you know, it, it didn't end up like I'm sitting in the dentist chair, you know, uh, like the like the Nine Inch Nails record was. So, um, well, that's really... good. I'm happy it didn't like, <laughs> give you pain. <laughs> so, um, but it, it was very, I mean, again, it, it sounded like, I mean, now, now that you're, you're with her, you're probably not going to make another record like this. So, um, I hope never again. This is my one and only time. I hope. You never know. You might talk to me next year and I'll be in a very different place, but I doubt it. Um, yeah, I mean, this is like, I think, my very deep, dark heartbreak album. And I think everyone has one of those at some point if they do music long enough. So um, next record will not be like this. <laughs> but this also turned out to be a false alarm, obviously. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, kind of. Well, um, but you see, for for guys like me, though, every I don't know if you saw the movie High Fidelity, but that was kind of my life for a long time, where every fantastic moment in a guy's in a loser's life has a great soundtrack, right? And so, um, like seriously, like even in the book, everyone's going around writing up playlists for certain events or situations in their lives, and it was hilarious. And I watched that movie thinking. The first half was really funny. The second half, I was really mad because somebody had written a movie about my life and I didn't get any royalties from it. So. Yeah, you felt attacked. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, wait a minute. They're making fun of me and I, I, I better get paid for this. Um, <laughs> so, uh, again, we were talking about you had you wanted to do some live shows and tours. You probably have. It, it looks like you did since we last spoke. And you... Did you have any plans for touring again until the world came to an end? Or, you know, what, what can our listeners um, expect yeah. in that direction? I mean, I was so excited to play this album live because it is, like, my favorite type of performing is when it's very stripped down. Like, I like just me and my guitar, like, very, very simple. And I was like, here, I finally have the perfect album to do that with. Because in the past, I was... I did, like, after we talked, I did do some live performances that were, like, more built up and everything. And I like it, but I don't know. There's something that, like, my heart pulls me to, like, being, like, an intimate performer. So I was really excited and so bummed when all this happened because the timing of it, obviously, um, I, I will not be touring and no one is for at least the next year. So it really sucks, but... Oh, yeah, I don't no, know. I'm kind of a, I'm a spiritual person. I think everything happens for a reason. So as cheesy as that sounds. So I guess um, when the time is right, the time is right. Well, if there's a reason why 2020 sucked, uh, I would like to know why. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I, I had I had 11 concerts lined up between March and May. And then June was just going to go crazy, you know, that I was going to be photographing and covering and then and, and it all just kind of went 
to nothing. Uh, yeah, it just it, exactly it changes it changes everyone's life so much. Like whether you're a direct performer or someone who loves music, or in your case, someone who covers music, it's so crazy. So, you, did you start the podcast because you were like wanting um, like a solution to that? Well, the, no right more now? concerts, right, for the time being, and. I have a lot of stories, obviously, and uh, a million different opinions about music, and they're all correct. But I was, yeah, that was, that was part of it. But also, um, the guys over at Instinct pointed out that I'm very, they, they like my interviews, and they're like, dude, just go do a podcast while you're at it, you know, because there, there's more to the world than covering gay artists, and you cover the gay artists really well, but why don't you, like, start expanding get a podcast going because you know they liked what i was they liked what i was doing and i apparently i give good interviews and they they also suggested that you know do them live so people could actually hear the artist that we're talking to instead of just me having to transcribe stuff which takes forever so yeah well it's actually me being lazy not having to type out the transcripts too so but i also think it allows i think knowing you that from the past interviews you really like kind of going in depth so it like allows that to happen maybe a little more than even an interview in the end you know mm-hmm. so well, love it but yeah but we have a less focused audience now as well than than we did last time um but i will mm-hmm. say this you you've grown a hell of a lot since i spoke to you last you really have i i'm it's, oh that's good <laughs> no i'm serious i'm like wow she's really um not that you were immature, but you've definitely developed a lot emotionally, and it sounds just like, you know, obviously a relationship and whatnot, but um, were it not for the world having come to an end, you probably would be out doing a lot more things on top of it with your music, which is a crying shame for everybody. Like, I mean, I know so many people who that's their life, and that's how they live, and that's the, you know, they make money off of the tour, and concert t-shirts, and whatnot, and... Uh, I know. I luckily, like, I feel so blessed that my income, like, wasn't completely reliant on live shows because that's so many people, and even a bigger artist who, like, now, like, totally can't maintain like the same lifestyle they have. Um, I don't know. It's it's really it's scary, especially in New York right now. Like, I just know so many creative people. Like, all of us are definitely suffering. Well, um, at least you didn't yeah. shell out $77,000 on tour t-shirts to have concert dates printed on the back. Yeah, and, that, I... Yeah, yeah, so no, I'm it, not, I'm not so mentioning crazy. the band, but they were like, oh, damn it, Jeremy, we shelled out 77000 on t-shirts. And I oh didn't even know what God. to say. I was like, whoa, because obviously those tour dates aren't going to happen, you know. And, to see that is like that's well, a nightmare. Oh I feel yeah, so and, bad and for so them. you know, but this was also a very big band that was obviously planning. They had a lot of shows planned, and um, mm-hmm. and they they had two festivals they were going to do and all that, and it was it all just kind of went south, and so that was where you know I think obviously it it could have been worse for some people, and it was for those guys, so. Um, good that you have a different, uh, at least you can, you know, survive because you said you have, uh, other streams of income there, but 
I do wish that you could make, you know, I mean, go and make live music. I think everybody wants that. Um, yeah, I think that's like at least half of the reason why people become artists in the first place. So it's definitely a really, really strange time. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, <laughs> I mean, well, oh no, it's I I get it, man. Like the the night before we all went into lockdown, I did a concert. Actually, the night of, and I I knew I was like after this, I'm not doing another show for God knows how long. It was. Oh my gosh! And I went in there. It was and, a last hurrah. Yeah, and it, it and she was fantastic. It was really great. Her name was Isla. She's this like five foot three, little redheaded diva. Who just she's just crazy with her visuals, and her live show was awesome. And mm-hmm. I went in, and I'm like standing. I'm like going, I can't. I'm I'm taking pictures. I shouldn't be close to people. And <laughs> it was just it was paranoia, man. So. Um, yeah, well, that's exactly why they shut it down, I guess. So. Yeah, and so that was uh, like, so I did that show, and then I knew this is it. I'm done for the next, who knows how long. So um, we've moved over to doing the podcast just because everybody wants, you know, I mean, bands are doing their their live broadcasts, but that's not bringing in the money for everybody either. So um, yeah, but uh, at least. You know, uh, but then other people have said it's been really good for them to sit and write, and so I'm very happy. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, I've kind of had that too, like being able to like kind of sit with your creativity and like be uninterrupted. It's definitely it's interesting. It's like something that I think you're right. It has like a double edge thing for artists. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, I've I've walked the dog a lot. <laughs> and and she's uh-huh. yeah the dog's like you know I'm done yeah no I'm I'm not going out again you know so I've I've had a few times where I'm like oh come on he's got to get out of the house you know but uh, I again I live in the suburbs so I don't know what it's like where you're at but um so I'm you know geez but you're staying safe yeah. from that because you are in New York and that's always the that's always been scaring people just the yeah yeah being in New York like I. I was on Long Island, like, for a while, like, during the absolute craziness of it. And I was actually moving apartments right before it all happened. And I I moved in, like, back in June. And honestly, everyone here is, like, being so safe. Like, I've hardly ever seen people without masks. So it's actually, like, definitely people are, I think maybe because it was so bad, people are taking it really seriously. That's good. Oh, so you're not on Long Island anymore? No, I I moved into Brooklyn like a year and a half ago, and then probably about like four months ago moved into Manhattan. So. Oh wow. wow. Yeah. You're, you're, you're st- <laughs> no, I, like for me, Long Island is. Um, I don't know if you you know you know the Vanderbilt Theater, right out there on Long Island. What what then? Uh, the Vanderbilt Theater. Oh, I actually the like the Vanderbilt Estate like. Um, well, the, yeah, there, there's, yeah a, there, there's a theater there that's right there in um, Plainview, right there, Long Island, right right off the bridge, like a mile off the bridge. And I've... I I used to work at a Vanderbilt place, funnily oh, enough, not okay. not the same one. Yeah. Okay. No, that is so. It's it's a fantastic theater, an, an incredible venue. I've I've done shows there, and they are. I mean, the sound and acoustics there. So hey, play a show there. I'll come and see you. 
when the time comes. Yeah, no, I'd love to. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> in like love three to play years. A show to anybody. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, well, uh, any last words? Any points you want to make on the album? And uh, I'm going to sign off and, and play some more songs for the end of the show here. But uh, anything you want to throw out? Um, I really have nothing in particular to say. I just hope that people like it and give it a listen and find their own um, something that like resonates with them in it. <laughs> That's really it. But thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Oh no, glad to have you and uh, stay on the line here for a second and uh, thanks everybody for listening um, and look up Carr's new uh, album You Say You Love Me But I Don't Believe You and you should be able to find it somewhere out there on the internet and playing on Spotify near you you're on Spotify, right, Carly? Oh, yeah, of course. Spotify and probably SoundCloud and any other place you stream where artists don't get paid. So, um, <laughs> so everybody have a good one. We'll talk to you next week. And, everybody, that was yet another episode of Sticky Jazz. And thank you for listening. And I hope you all enjoy the Car Aster segment. Go out and give her a listen to, and special thanks and shout out to Barry Andrews of Shriekback for letting us use the theme, Sticky Jazz, off of the Big Night Music record, and special thanks to Global Music Radio and John Farmer for uh, broadcasting the show on the platform there. So everybody, take care, be good to each other, and let music do awesome in your life. Yes.